Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, where we are making old school young again. And this is one of the few episodes where we can actually say that with some degree of authority, because it's not just me. Uh, we have a, a fellow young guy who's in this uh, this old school world tonight. You all know him. You love him. You love him a hell of a lot more than you love me. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ben Barsh. <laughs> That's a something of an intro. I would doubt that that is true. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. First well, of all, well, you um, do more than I do. You you like make adventures and do all kinds of cool books. You and your dad have some great products. I do this. I've done. Hey, I've done podcasts too. I've done all forms of internet content you could ever imagine. It is definitely there's no walk in the park here at all. <laughs> this is. This is this is our job, and it's it's you do it really well. This is higher produced than anything that I did when I did podcast, so I'm I'm impressed. Thank you, I I appreciate that. But no, tonight we are, uh, you know, happy to finally have you on here. Uh, I am yeah. hoping against all hope that like lightning doesn't strike my house or something because uh, this interview has been cursed for quite some it's time. True, true. <laughs> Speaking of lightning, I feel like there's so much light behind me. So excuse me, everyone, as I just. Is that better? No, that's not better at all. Well, we'll figure it out. We're gonna roll with the punches. There has to be some sort of light <laughs> lightning here, so that's right. It's right behind there. Absolutely. All right, and and Victor in chat, I I appreciate it, and yes, I do know that you love me, Victor. I I, I really do appreciate that. So, thank you. <laughs> Victor's the man. And and I say they love you more than they love me because uh, last Friday on uh, Legion of Myths chill stream I kind of made some people mad. Uh, oh, what'd you do? I started going in on how tabletop games are a balance between narrative and simulation, with uh, mm -hmm. leaning more heavily on the narrative side, and that in and of itself made people upset. And then my continued explanation of why I thought that also made some people upset yeah yeah you're never gonna please anyone <laughs> or everyone <laughs> sorry sometimes anyone but yeah mm -hmm. yeah i think I, I i kind of agree with you honestly did we restart this battle <laughs> no i'm just trying <laughs> i agree with you i agree with you it was more and, and we'll get we'll get into questions here in just a little right. bit it was yeah. more i was putting forward a scenario in which a wizard would not be able to cast a fireball behind like a wall of enemies because mm -hmm. he couldn't see past the enemies. And so if he tried to, there would be kind of an element of randomness that would have to come into what he was doing. And for some reason that upset people to no end. I feel like uh sight 
Line of sight is a necessary mechanic <laughs> in many cases. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. Or, or, I'm around with you. Sweet. All right, you guys hear that? Ben agreed with me. So if any of you... <laughs> If any of you came yeah. over here from Friday looking for another piece of it, you know, bring it, bring it. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I'm healthy and ready to go many rounds. <laughs> Absolutely. Hop in the ring, octagon, wherever we want to go. Absolutely. So, so are you, are you up for that hair versus hair match that I've been talking about on episodes? Yeah. I forward? actually sort of started to do my hair differently. I've in, in past it's gone over mm-hmm. and now I just sort of do a disheveled front thing. So this is actually the first, it's, this is the where I'm debuting it. This is the this is the new look. I'm gonna rock it for the foreseeable future. So yeah, this is the new competition. <laughs> Absolutely. Although you are both far taller and far more handsome than me. I'm kind of I, I'm a dwarf for people. I would who, disagree. Uh, I can't grow facial hair. Well, that's I can't. Just, I cannot. I'm baby face for the rest of my life. That's that's just one aspect of of. I guess male beauty, if you want to call it that. But no, mm. I. For people who have not seen me in person, I am very compact. I I am uh, short and stocky, and Ben is very very tall. So he's got tall. that. Tall, Yeah. Sorry, I'm turning this down. God, it's just it's just like the light of Valinor is opened <laughs> on my computer. <laughs> For the love of God, there we go. That's a little better. At least. Awesome. Not totally washed out. Sorry about that, everyone. All right, well, enough of the weird comments about your looks and my looks, because uh, right. it's just it, it's it's weird. But I started it, so. Right. Yeah, we, we can sail right out of it. Yeah. You know? Like the Numenorians, we're just right Absolutely. Out. Right gone. Absolutely. Forget that first couple minutes happened. So, introductory questions that everyone gets asked when they come on Rolling Bones. Mm-hmm. Um you you've heard this before, but let's begin at the beginning. How did you uh, get involved in and interested in role playing games? Uh, I think this one is a little easier answering because you just had my dad on two weeks ago, or however long, <laughs> however long it was ago. Um, I got in through him. Uh, basically, when we uh, we as in me and my sisters were really young, we started playing a game called Fantasy Forest. It was up in that that top corner there. If anyone's never played it, it's a it's an introductory to role-playing game, board game for children made by TSR. So we played that for many, many years. And then uh, we upgraded to the game Dungeon a little bit lo- uh, later on. And then upgraded to Dungeons & Dragons, sort of through this progression of TSR board game. So I would say, you know, I've, I've been in it my entire life because of my dad. I've always been interested in RPGs in general, um, especially uh, video game ones as well. So... Um, just a child of circumstance, I guess, is the <laughs> short story at the end of that long one. Was there ever a moment in your life where you had a moment of rebellion and went, you know what, Dad, I want to be normal. Darn it. <laughs> no, because I wasn't normal before that. I mean, I was in the sense that I played I played football, I played baseball, I played um, basketball growing up. So I did, like, the normal things, but then I would go home and do the, like, then I would go home and play solo D and D at night, or I would play like world of Warcraft, you know? So, um, this has always been just me. Um, and my dad just sort of gave me the push, a lot the push, you know, just yeah. like, here's your head. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that, I think that's a, a thing that a lot of us who grew up without parents who were like into this stuff, 
there was a point where we kind of cloaked ourselves in it as a way to like rebel against our parents and then later found some kind of balance in our lives. And so I've always been curious about people who grew up with parents who were into this stuff, but it sounds like you kind of had that healthy balance all along. So that's, that is good. Yeah. That's actually pretty common. I think in the industry as well, I've met over the years, I've been, I've been able to meet um, a bunch of other people around my age or even kids now who have gamer parents and the game parents are always pretty cool about it. Um, they'll be like, oh, yeah, like, this is my kid. Like, they're at the convention. My other kid's not really into it. So, that like, gamer parents are cool. They don't, like, force anyone to do anything. Like, if you're into it, they'll bring you in. If they're not, you know, you can just do your own thing. So, yeah. yeah. It's a great community. And it's 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 uh, ever-growing, too. Um, hmm. That's Which is, you know, the youngsters of the OSR. That's what you said, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So... Of all the games that you've played just kind of throughout your life, throughout your career playing RPGs, what would you say is your favorite, if you had to pick a favorite? Hmm. Well, my favorite would... I was actually talking to one one of my artists about this today. Um, we just started working with him on a, a new book coming up, which is fantastic. But we were kind of talking about this. I Dungeons & Dragons is definitely my favorite RPG. So from there, it sort of just gets into like which edition that month am i and do more <laughs> really mm-hmm. um which is a constant battle between one ad and d and fifth edition i would say ad and d is always number one like there um there could be almost nothing that 5e could do because it couldn't replace that originality of the game and the just the raw essence of what it what's everything that's come from it you know it's sort of like jordan versus lebron like jordan yeah. was the first all-time great but then there's LeBron, who's like undeniable as well. So how do you handle it? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's sort of how AD and D and 5e for me. So I, I will answer with both because that's I can't, you know, it's like picking between a kid, which mm-hmm. I, I think is hard. I don't have kids, so I don't. Oh, I only have one. So it's easy for me. But for other yeah, people, you, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah right. But it, I, I imagine that that is an answer that might have some people like breaking bottles on a table being like, all right, we're going to go now because I had... no, it's, it's the best. They don't know what to do with me. Yeah. That, that's the best part is people don't know what to do with me because people like the old grognards and stuff. They're like, oh, it's just a young kid. And then like the 5e people are like, you play what? Like, I didn't even <laughs> know there was what's there's games before fourth. Like, that's, you know what I mean? They have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so. People are just confused, and I'm like, stay confused. That's where I. That's where I like. Because that was another thing I ran into with the Legion of Myth crowd. I've got an episode next week where me and a guy named Crafty Matt Craft are gonna do what we're calling a defense of Five E. Because I also hmm. uh, have some fondness for Five E. It's how I learned how to game, how to DM, and I think there are some really strong points to Five E. It's not my favorite anymore. Hmm. But there's a lot to like there and saying that and then also saying that you could run 5e in an OSR way caused some degree of confusion slash anger amongst uh, the the chill stream Mm. audience last night. But then also Victor, who was on that stream with me, uh, he is also split in that way between the 5e and the OSR. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's I think they're. I think people who think that you can't run a 5e uh, game that feels old school simply haven't played 5e enough or haven't DM'd mm-hmm. 5e enough. Um, it's all about presentation, you know, yeah. at, at the end of the day. 
uh, and and the dungeon master. I've had dungeon masters in old school who I'm like, whoa, this was so like not BX. Mm-hmm. And then I've had you know DMs in Five E who I'm like, whoa, I feel like I'm I'm like playing at Tim Cast table. So it, it really just it's 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 just up to the individual is what always these arguments always come back to. But yeah. that's not fun because that's not a conversation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and. It's like I've been trying to tell people, and I hope this is something that can catch on, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. I think OSR is a state of mind more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, we'll we'll come back to that topic because there are more introductory questions we have for you. Sure, yeah, yeah, I know. I We're already getting off the rails on, on all this stuff. That's my bad, though, because I just it, talk. It's all good. Last week, we didn't even... We got to two of the introductory questions <laughs> just because of all the side conversations it's it's, yeah yeah but when it comes to running games and playing in games i know you've mentioned uh you know some some bx games that didn't feel quite right and some 5e games Mm. that had that kind of delightful old school flavor when you are running a game Mm. and when you are playing in a game what is it that you're looking for to get out of that game what style are you going for as a player and as a, a gm when you take on both roles so I think um, I think intrinsically DMing, what, what DMs want to get out of a game is inherently different than what a player wants to. And I think it's okay to acknowledge the, the differences yeah. because they, they sound weird when I, I'm going to say them out loud, but I think a DM is more of a selfless, like they're looking to selflessly get something out of the game, whereas players sometimes are selfishly. And that's not a bad thing by any means, but I want to I want to say that a million times it's not a bad thing. But, but players often have personal goals with their character on what they want to achieve, what, you know, whether that's a certain power level through abilities unlocked or um, a, narrative, uh, a narrative goal that they want to achieve. That's often a little bit more selfish. So I think DMs, like going into the game, you just have much, much different things to worry about. Um, so when I'm a player, often I want to get out, um, what I want to get out of the game is, is, some sort of advancement on my character so i don't feel like they're stuck in the mud or not progressing or not having an arc um and then when i'm dming i i really like to make sure that those people are having that arc right and having that that um reasonable progression which is uh really kind of hard to attain sometimes it's it's hard to get that um well well uh, a good flow of progression uh, for everyone involved so it's just kind of different intrinsically um but I think both of them, like, there's nothing wrong with both of them, and they're both, they're both great reasons to play the game. Yeah, absolutely. the The way that I have started thinking about it is, as the GM, you are hoping to entertain, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of times with players, and this is this is going to sound like a knock on players, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Players are there to be entertained. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I think these conversations sometimes do sound like knock on players, but they're not right. because that's why we entertain. That's why we create progression systems, right? Yep. So people can be rewarded through them. It's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Yeah. And even, even when people take super hard lines about DMing, like I have in the past, the, the hope is that in taking these hard lines and setting these limits on, uh, you know, what we want in the game or, you know, what we think belongs in the game. We're hoping to make a more entertaining experience for the players and mm-hmm. that will bring some degree of enjoyment out of it. So I, it's something that's definitely worth exploring in depth. 
maybe someday if I can finally get short form videos like to be a thing for me, I might make a video about it. But it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic and one that I feel like again raises a lot of temperatures and makes a lot of people like slam their fist on the table and go, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, I, I think that the, the counter argument to things of that nature are like, there certainly are, there is an extent to which the players want the person next to them to have a good time. Right. Like yeah. I'm not saying it's a completely selfish thing where all of your actions are going to be chaotic, selfish or selfish. Right. That's not, <laughs> right. that's not at all. But what I'm saying is the DM has the the means to that end more than a player often often does right mm -hmm. um so yeah it's a very uh, that is a that is a very deep conversation that it is that would also need people on the you know the different different opinions of it as well because yeah. it's just an interesting idea to think about absolutely i'm more of a deep thinker instead of a one-off answer or a short answer just <laughs> just a heads up all good the audience might be like oh god this guy is way overthinking that <laughs> it's all good i i too overthink things so that's how you yeah that's the best way to progress mm -hmm. throwing it all out there absolutely i i went into a great deal of uh personal debt to earn a degree in thinking too much about things so yeah well there you go yeah isn't that every degree yes <laughs> <Pretty much? laughs> absolutely absolutely but especially yeah. philosophy right yeah absolutely so those of us who get involved in this hobby very heavily, you know, who write adventures, who do shows like this, we do it because we love this hobby. And we love this hobby because we have so many great memories involved in it. If you had to pick a fondest RPG memory, what would that be? Oh, man, I remember I remember on our, um, our, our first show together, you asked me this and I... This is hard. This is like this is the hardest question of all of them. I can talk about the dynamics of DM versus player all night, mm -hmm. but if you make me do this, this is this is <laughs> the worst one. Um, man, I would probably say, uh, like, I would probably say when me, my dad, and my sisters, and sometimes my mom, we find sometimes would convince her to play with us, uh, would play dungeon together. I know it's not Dungeons and Dragons or an RPG, but like that that was just the true foundation of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and I strongly believe everything that comes, comes after. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say that. And then I would also say, um, just the first summer that me and my friends started playing D and D, we just were fanatic about it. Um, and it was our senior, our, well, it was our second summer, our, 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 our first summer where we were, we were no lifing it, you know, like the, <laughs> the summer before we started like once a week or once every other, and then we really got hooked on it over the winter. And then into that next summer, we were playing like every other day. And there was one week where my friends basically stayed at my house like all week and we would sleep, and wake up and then play D&D &D all day and then watch the D&D &D cartoon at night and then sleep in my basement <laughs> and then wake up. And yeah, it was just a, you know what I mean? It's just, how do you replace that? Those early days of just absolutely no care in the world, just playing the game. Yeah. So it would be between those two for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then the last of these introductory questions, I will say the answer cannot be your wizard logo. Um, it can be literally anything else, as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. But if you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be? Man, Pace Setter merch is is, is got to come as well. We we have yeah. to bring. We have to. I have to say that you know, shameless plug. 
Um, if I had to put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? God, I remember having an answer to this. Oh yeah, I remember my my answer was sort of like a cheat one. <laughs> I would put the introduction. Uh, it's not our logo, but it's like the introduction to my solo adventure into the unknown. I'd put that like on the, on the back of a t-shirt mm-hmm. and then put something from into the unknown on the front or maybe just the title and its font, um, which I know is a, that's a cheat answer. It'd probably be that. It'd probably be that. It it has some like personal significance to you, so it's not necessarily a cheat answer. It's not just like a piece of merch that you would uh, make for your show or your yeah. your game uh, company or it because it's something that you personally created. It's like uh, it's like when you, it's kind of similar to your dad's answer of he wants the first the map of the first dungeon he ever created on a shirt, mm, okay. and that it's it's That's very it has personal significance to you. So yeah. Yeah, I think like outside of that, I would probably put like like a bowl of spaghetti on a shirt <laughs> and just wear that around. Yeah, that would be my second answer. Or my <laughs> my. Would this be like a cartoonish answer. bowl of spaghetti or like an oddly realistic looking bowl of spaghetti? It would be like a painted version of yeah. It would be like a mosaic. Like it would it would be beautiful. It would be the most beautiful bowl of pasta you would ever look at on a t shirt. To the point where, like, from a distance, someone would be like, why does that guy just have a bowl of spaghetti hovering on his chest? And then they get closer. And then you get closer, and you realize the workmanship that went into that bowl of spaghetti, and you stop doubting. And you just accept and acknowledge and come to the light, really. The light of pasta. Yeah, That's what I'm selling. I'm selling pasta. Ben (laughs) would like to convert all of you out there to Pastafarianism (laughs) with a t-shirt. All you (laughs) non-believers. Just think. Just think of who catered the last wedding you went to. It was probably Italians. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. Got it on a shirt. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this first question, uh, outside of these introductory questions, I wanted your raw reaction to it. You might mm-hmm. already know what this is going to be, but I'm 26. You're 23? Four. 24. Four. We are in a very specific subset of the hobby that has a lot of gray hair. No, really? (laughs) (laughs) If if they have hair at all, it's mostly gray. Uh, What is it like for you creating content that's largely getting seen, largely getting, uh, you know, played by that? older audience now i know that you guys mm-hmm. also reach a younger audience too because your products do really well and are aimed at a very broad swath of gamers but the the circles that you run in because mm-hmm. they're the circles that i run in a lot of gray hair how do you feel kind of like making content in in that space you know, honestly, I don't even think about it, which is the marketer's worst nightmare, by the way, like not <laughs> yeah. understanding your target audience. But I think at, once you understand it, you stop, stop stressing about it. So I don't even notice. I don't really care anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I always don't, don't me wrong. I do love to seek out younger people in the community because I remember being like one of the only young people and not having anyone to relate to. So I try to be that for other people, mm-hmm. but Overall, I don't really care. It doesn't It doesn't change the way I do things. It doesn't change the way I think. It doesn't change the way I write. I just do what I want to do. And then if other people enjoy that cup of tea as well, then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. 
Um, but but there are points to it, right? Like there there are certain points to it where um, the small the number of of gamers around our age who are also interested in the OSR is quite small. So what do we do about that? You know, like mm-hmm. there, I do ask myself that question all the time as well. Um, so not completely blind to it, but you know, I don't really care. You could you know be twenty or seventy, just play the same game. And honestly, like, that's a very healthy mindset to have towards it. I mean, like, creators that hate the particular people that, like, pick up their their works don't tend to last very long and don't tend to, you know, make stuff that they're very passionate about. You, you see that a lot with uh, musicians in particular kind of grow mm-hmm. to hate their audiences. Um, yeah, I think it depends. Um on the kind of audience. Cause this is actually something I've analyzed a lot in different, I've been, I've been lucky to be a part of a few different industries and this, this does happen a lot yeah. from, from person to audience. Um, but I think when that happens at two times too often, it's too, like they're too intersected, you know, and they just know too much about each other or whatever. There's, there's no like line where it's like, okay, like at some point this is a band versus an audience, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I, I don't find that happening a lot in the tabletop industry because I think a lot of us people who write or design things just see ourselves as like players or dungeon masters first mm-hmm. who just happen to like get artwork next to the crazy words that we think of. You know, that's the yeah. only difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it That really is something that I that I love about people who create RPGs, even the really big. Well, not the really, really, really big names. That's a different subject altogether that i'll come back to the people who created you know what we have today the you know the zeb cooks the tim casks the alan hammocks they just walk around the convention like everyone else does they just run games like everyone else does they're they you know they're they're there to meet with the people who have allowed them to kind of uh you know live this crazy awesome life where they get to make these games for a living and and you know they're the few people who get to say that they uh made a living writing dungeons and dragons but they like you said they're gamers first and like to to a person they're gamers first Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what i love about something like north texas and that's what breaks my heart about some of the larger RPG conventions out there. Cause now you're starting to get people in the space who have realized that there's a degree of celebrity or are chasing some kind of degree of celebrity. And they well, tend to don't get me wrong though. The, some of these designers who now walk around North Texas were getting mobbed at Gen Con. Yes. And they openly admit to, they could not wear their badges half the time Yeah, because people didn't know their face. They just knew their name. So they would take off their badge and then walk through the vendor hall and then yeah. put it back on once they're out. <laughs> We're just years removed from that fame, you yeah. know. <laughs> but the but yeah, the, I I agree with you that there is a celebritized part of the industry that I don't usually yeah know what's going on with it. <laughs> it's and I don't want to. This is something that could turn into like an entire episode in and of itself. I don't want to go down yeah. that road. I did that with right. Tankar once. Oh um, Lord God, Eric. <laughs> well, well, you know what I say is, <laughs> it's just <laughs> Eric. 
I've known Eric for years. <laughs> I'm to do interpretations. That was a great 10 car, by the way. Yeah. Can you do bad Mike? No, I can't do bad Mike. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do bad Mike. Well, I just I would have to sit up like really close to the camera <laughs> with my microphone in my mouth, and that would be bad Mike. So I'm going to get crap from them for this. <laughs> I'm just immediately regretting this decision. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Clip it, send it to them. They're friends of the show. Don't worry about it. They've both been on. Yeah. We're all good. We're all good. I'm just setting on fire. Your past guest. (laughs) Give me each one. Give me your Levi Combs impression. Give me your Skeeter Green impression. (laughs) Oh, that's too... I I don't cuss that much. (laughs) (laughs) I can't pull that one off. (laughs) Some of the words that man comes up with, I'm just impressed. (laughs) I'm like, where did that come from? (laughs) I... I need to bring Skeeter back on again. It's it's always been too long. There there are a couple people who just like seem to always have access to the show. Levi's one, Luau Lou's one, but then uh, Skeeter has only been on twice, and I'm just now getting around to Casey Christofferson's second appearance. Mm. So there's like a lot of kind of people in that sphere that I need to like reach out to more and and bring on the show more because they're awesome, but. Yeah, Levi is. God, that guy. <laughs> Levi and I have the weirdest relation. Like, not weird, but just like most. I have the most, uh, like the utmost respect for Levi, and I, I at least he says he does it back. Like, we're very good friends. <laughs> yeah, but we just like, we just like push each other so well. I feel like at the same time too, because mm-hmm. we're in two different genres of tabletop publishing, but both do five E and OSR. So yep. we're the perfect like duo slash friends because our audiences are different, but same enough to where everything just works out hunky dory. So, you know, Levi is the best. He's just one of the yeah. nicest guys I've, I've literally ever met. And every time I see him, I'm like, what's going on up there? There's no way this is you're just, but he is, he's just that nice. Some of the stuff that I, I have a similar relationship with Levi and some of the stuff that he comes up with, I'm just like, how how are you yeah not even like what are you how 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 does all this converge and and like smash together in your head and come out and it's doesn't seem like it's coherent but it is somehow yeah i feel the same way i'm like reading the thing that he wrote and i'm like levi what the what (laughs) this is not this is not (laughs) fantasy this is just dwarf dark dwellings of your brain (laughs) But yeah, it's it really is like a great community that we find ourselves in. And yeah. you you mentioned something earlier. Uh, there's a like really great family environment around kind of the the North Texas branch of the OSR crew in that, uh, you know, obviously you uh, kind of were brought in by your dad, but also mm-hmm. like Casey's kids come skeeters kids come uh there there's all kinds of like families that have now just become involved in all of this which is where a lot of kind of the younger people are coming into the osr um yeah were you kind of like one of the first to be like brought in by your dad um i can't really say because i don't remember i'm gonna be honest (laughs) i I would, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Bill Webb's kids were there. Yeah. 
I don't remember what I must have met him the first year. I'm almost positive I met um, um, them the first year because we've just always we've always been pretty close um, because of that, because both of our dads are named Bill and they're both crazy. So it was a really yeah. easy bonding, you know, like, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I, I think I was I, I would say Bill's kids probably were first, but um, I would say maybe I'm closer after that'd be a better question for them. I'm not going to lie. I, just, I don't remember. But I, I, there are certainly by far more kids at these conventions now than when I was a kid. Um, my first convention was probably like nine years ago, eight years ago. So since then, it's grown a lot. It's really cool to see. Yeah. I forgot about Bill's kids because he has a lot of kids. Just got two. Oh, I th- Bill Webb. No, you're right. No, you're right. Yep. I don't know who I was thinking of. Yeah, just daughter and daughter and son. Gotcha. Yeah, you you're right. It just everyone ignore it, me. Listen to him. Oh, no, you're good. They're J and J, John and Jillian. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I must be thinking I'm gonna drive myself crazy if I keep going down if I keep trying to pull on that thread. Anyway. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like kids and who belongs to who. It's yeah. just convention kids, and then they're all in one area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, I I figured you were kind of like closer in on uh, like or one of the close to one of the first to come in because you are a good bit older than like Skeeter's kids or yeah. uh, like Casey's daughter because you're closer to mm. my age than and they're like just now getting out of high school, I think. So, yeah. I, I figured you were kind of towards the beginning of that trend. Yeah, I, I would uh, think I'm the oldest. Um, Bill's oldest daughter, or well, Jillian, I think she's two years. Yeah, she's two years younger than me because she's the same age as my sister. That's yeah. how I remember it. So, uh, and then John is just in his freshman year of a college. This right now, actually, just started. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would be I would be the oldest by like two years. But Jillian's up there. Like she's been to a ton of conventions. She's done a ton of DMing. Yeah, yeah, definitely share that spot. Absolutely. So you you've mentioned you know the the thought that you've put into you know how do we get younger people to kind of be interested in the OSR? I I have some thoughts on that, but I want to hear your thoughts before I chime in. What what kind of conclusions or ideas have you come to about? <laughs> No, my conclusion is it. Um, um, my conclusion is there's no conclusion, and I say that with a grain of salt, in that it's not like that there's no answer or it's impossible. It's that it has to be done naturally, not in a forced way. So it's kind of hard to say like exactly how it should be, right? Like I, I play games with my friends. We we usually play five e, but I we always crave that one E game. So we'll always go back and play it. And if that's the future of the OSR, then it, it sucks, but that, that might be the way it is for now until we can build upon something new. And I think that is kind of where the direction is eventually going to go. I, my prediction is what's going to happen is someone's going to make a five E and like a D and D retro clone, or they try to mix the two. And that is going to be the new OSR. And it's going to like be a new version of it because I, I, no one's really done that in my opinion to like a bunch of success um so unless i'm missing so 
Except, well, you know what I mean? Like, unless I'm, I'm completely wrong on that, which I might be. But I, I think to uh, to get people into OSR, there's a million things people do. Like, you can go to your local game store and just say, hey, I want to run a, a 1E slot or a BX slot, um, you know, after... Uh, after around after school times i'm going to promote it with the high school as well and see if any kids want to come and try out the game you know after school or something can send you can reach out to um book clubs or uh, game clubs that reside within schools and say hey here's like uh here's some of the older books if you ever want to try them on this that that's sort of through that and it's just not a sexy answer it's it's there's no like there's not going to be like an osr critical role or something you yeah. know that really just captures in and that all that audience because that audience resists it resists it anyway so at some point the audience the osr community we have to reflect upon what we're doing and why we're not as popular that you might be as fifth edition and then you have to look at the why well most people don't want to actually do the why they don't want to do the game show they don't want to do the talk shows they don't want to do the podcast well that's how it's so big so if we don't want to do the why, then we accept what the community is and build upon it and continue that infrastructure. So that way in 20 years, it's still there, uh, mm-hmm. which is through things like the Gen Con auction, through North Texas RPG Con, through school book clubs, like I said, and and on and forth, right? You know, so that that's uh, that's sort of where my ideas lie within that, mm-hmm. that like, how do we keep it going kind of thing. And something... Uh... Kind of to your point there, something that has been really valuable in keeping it alive, especially in getting younger generations who aren't necessarily willing to open up those old uh, BX or 1E books and try to figure out what Gary Gygax was trying to say uh, through it's all. Very the... hard, by the way. If yeah. if like it's not easy. Like if you get a new player, the 1E player's handbook, they will come back to you with questions. Many, many of them. <laughs> but. We've got things like OSE and Swords and Wizardry mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that that take that skeleton structure, that rule set that's yeah. so strong and, and so, uh, you know, fun to play in, but make it actually somewhat legible. Uh, mm-hmm. So when it comes to, like, you know, going to these uh, RPG programs that some schools are having with a Swords and Wizardry book rather than, like, you know, 1E AD&D, even for as great as 1E AD&D is... You're going to have more yeah. traction if you're uh, showing it off as Swords and Wizardry, which is a, a hell of a lot easier to read and a hell of a lot easier to explain. Yeah. Even if they yeah. don't know where kind of the origins of Swords and Wizardry lie. Right. But even that, but even there's there's still plenty to do still. Like, I, I love Swords and Wizardry. I love OSE. But that's that's still not the answer to that, quite, that, that right. like, how do we get that, you know, because it's, it's still not going to have a mass effect because there's just certain things that are intrinsic to why people like new editions left out of the, they're left out of the old editions completely. Yeah. They're not even, they're not even mentioned. Um, Mm. so, you know, there, there's still, uh, that whole idea, but, um, not to discredit anything that anyone does, by the way. Right. Uh, Like I said, I'm great friends with Matt Finch. Um, but yeah, it's just going to take a while. It's just going to be through, how everything else is in the world, you know? People always, like, freak out. They're like, oh, like, what if our family culture, like, dissipates in a few generations? Well, that's sort of up to you to teach your kids your family culture and keep it going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And and same thing with everything. So it's just on us, you know? Yep. Basically what I'm saying is bully your friends into playing D&D like <laughs> I did. You know, that's the best way. Mm-hmm. Now, Victor makes an interesting point in chat here, um, and it's something that I've heard people talk about uh, just kind of over and over again 
but th- there will be 5e grognards, as he puts it, once 1D&D comes out. Uh, yeah. Who will... Yeah. Who will look yeah, at... Yeah, I think I will. Yeah, they'll, they'll look at the changes, because, I mean, like, they're... It, for as much as people don't like 4th edition, there are people who, when 5e came out, they were like, well, that's not the way we played back in 4e. Yeah, it happens every edition. Yeah. It happens every edition. They capture a new audience and then retain a certain percentage of the past audience. Yeah. And it's the retention rate is never 100%, and it never will be, because mm-hmm. people get attached to 5e. But I think there will be a overwhelming amount of people who keep... Con- who keep on playing that um, closer to PHB version of 5e than like D&D Next or or 1D&D and uh, all the way up to like where we are with the power level of Tasha's, you know, yeah. just that power creep that's happened over time. Um, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's certainly not terrifying as a publisher to see what happens, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> you know, it, it'll all be good in the end. It'll all work out the way it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, as far as kind of my attempt at an answer uh, to how you bring young people into kind of the OSR mindset, uh, I'm going to answer with a question for you uh, that okay. is going to kind of come out of the blue. So bear with me here. Do you like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah. Why do you like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Hmm. Probably the sense of, and I'm going to answer this in a very old school way, but <laughs> probably the sense of mystery and danger. Like the mystery is is, is dangerous, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think a lot of people who are our age have that same answer. They just don't know they have that same answer. There's something about that movie in particular, it's one of the most recent movies that captured uh, what I see as kind of the essence of old school role play in that mm-hmm. you have a hero who's extremely vulnerable going up against something that's way bigger than he is in that he's essentially one dude with a whip and a revolver going up against the entire Third Reich. And he's chasing after an artifact that no one really understands. It has this power that's kind of beyond comprehension. And when it's unleashed, it does some crazy and terrible and deadly things. And there's something about the way that movie is structured and the way it's strung together that really presents, like you said, the mystery and the danger. And so I think the way that the OSR is going to capture young people is to lean into kind of the authenticity of this is the way we play these role-playing games where you don't know anything about this world that you're wandering into. You literally just came off the farm and picked up a sword and you are going to find yourself in over your head uh, in a lot of circumstances. You might die. uh, And if you live it's only going to be because of just sheer raw determination and gumption, a little bit of intelligence and a whole lot of luck. And it's in those moments that kind of like the greatest stories are made, whether people realize it or not. And so I think all the OSR needs to do to continue to thrive is to 
just like throttle that up to 11. Don't lean so much on this is the right way to play D&D. Don't lean so much on back in my day. Yes, it's called OSR and the words old school are right there in the title, but lean more on we're going to tell a story in which you are going to face all of the dangers that the world can throw at you and hopefully you will survive to tell the story. And I think that kind of rawness and that kind of authenticity is something that's irresistible to people who like stories like this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think a good way to relate it is like a, uh, 5e is like a heavy, a heavy magic campaign. And one, he's like a little magic, low magic campaign. You know, it's just, if we, as members of the OSR are, are shaking our fists and saying, why are you playing 5e? That game is so terrible. Why would anyone ever, ever say, oh, that guy's like really cool. That guy's not totally insulting everything that I like. I'm going to go for sure play games with them instead. Yeah. No one ever does that. When has anyone ever done? If someone tells you your sports team sucks, you're not going to be like, oh, thank you. You're right. Now I'm a Cleveland fan. (laughs) That's just, that's never going to happen. So why are we applying any of that logic to trying to trying to bring people into our game? First it doesn't all, need to be one Cleveland or the has no room to say that anyone's sports team sucks. Yeah, that's true. This is coming from a Lions fan, by the way. <laughs> like a Lions fan, a Tigers, you know, Detroit sports overall are just awful right now. Um, but there's actually something in chat that I wanted to... Am I allowed to disagree with someone in chat? Yeah, you can disagree with whoever you want. Are you sure? Can I respectfully disagree with someone? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that I actually talk to a lot of people about at conventions. Um, Someone in chat said that 5e is more of a board game pretending to be a role-playing game. I actually think it's the opposite. I think 5e is closer to an RPG than old school is. Old school comes from war games. And then chain mail and then D&D, as we know, right? We all know that. Mm -hmm. So actually, (laughs) it's the opposite role-playing game entails that there's some sort of customization because you're stepping into a role 5e has more customization yeah i actually think about the other way i think of 1e is actually closer to a board game um they're neither of them are even remotely close to a board game but nonetheless if if we had to pick one i would say old school is actually closer to a board game or war game than 5e 5e is very far removed from war gaming there's no there's hardly even there's no there's no aerial rules even really mentioned in 5e other than the basic ones, right? Like, I remember Frank Menser talking my ear off about how dragons just couldn't turn around. They couldn't do a U-turn because they had to go all the, you know, all the way around. And he's, like, opening the rule book and, like, this, this. And I'm like, Frank, just have the dragon turn. I don't really care. <laughs> so I actually disagree. I think that old school is more war gaming and board gaming, whereas new school is much more like, yeah, screw it. The dragon turns. Well, let's move on. I agree as well, and I think uh, you know twenty eight millimeter who who put that in uh, put that in chat. He says it's a lot easier to theater the mind older D and D games than newer D and D games. I think that is a uh, I think that's a perception issue because um, I think it's easier, and it sounds like you think it's easier to, to theater the mind five e than like very yeah. early. Uh, still leaning on chain mail uh like old school D. 
Yeah, I um, agree, actually. Square, everything makes more sense. The squares make sense. The feet per square makes better sense. It's not in, you know, uh, nines, twelves. It's in thirties, thirty fives. You know, it's feet. It's, yeah, I actually think, uh, I, I meet, a, I don't know, this is a question for you too. I meet a lot more people who play 5e who say they play theater of the mind. Whereas if I ask almost any old school player, they play with minis. Yeah, I, I, I've had a mix. I started okay. playing theater of the mind. I play minis now just because I have a, uh, a plastic and lead addiction and I have to have some reason to keep buying those things. Correct. Um, and, and painting them. I like painting them, but I also want to use them. Uh, but you know, and I see this, uh, from, from Victor in chat as well. There's also a lot of kind of stone throwing from the five oh, yeah. side towards oh, yeah. the, the grognards and, Honestly, what I think needs to happen, uh, there there has to be concessions on both sides here. I don't want to sound like a fence sitter, because you guys know I'm not. You know where I sit, where I you know stand on all this. The five E people need to acknowledge that the grognards were pushed into lockers and made fun of when they were young, so that you guys could have Joe Manganello on a live stream with. Uh, you know, a bunch of other celebrities and everyone thinks D&D is cool and fun and all that. So that that needs to be acknowledged. Same time, Grognards. You need to realize that a lot of the stuff you don't like about 5e is also the stuff 5e players don't like about 5e. And that's evidenced by the fact that so many campaigns end after six sessions. So rather than being antagonistic about it, you need to reach out and say, hey, we're in the same hobby. We like different aspects of it, maybe. You know, there, there's differences here. Your games keep ending in six sessions. Let's talk about how to not do that anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that if someone throws a stone at you, the first reaction shouldn't be to throw a stone back. Right. Is, is really, you should understand why they're throwing a stone. Yeah. Maybe it is something you did right like maybe it's something that's wrong about the game there's no question that there are some modules and some pieces of literature created by in the osr that are not they're not great they're they're either a little sexist or a little race whatever it may be but it's the same thing in vivi there's still plenty of that as well <laughs> or there there's just a different version of it right yeah so instead of just being like oh everyone is racist or sexist because of this maybe let's just agree on the one this this the singular issue that it is and then move on and figure out how we can move away from that but people don't want to do that they just want to throw the stone back <laughs> yeah all, all i want is a world where an old dude walks up to a young dude at a convention puts his hand on his shoulder and goes hey kid you like conan and the kid goes yeah and then they start talking about conan that's what i want well that that see that stuff happens all the time like yeah. that's the thing too like you, you would just never know if you didn't go into it saying like, yeah, OSC or OSR is, is the best and uh, new school sucks. Then I would be, I, I think you would be shocked on how well people get along with each other, Yeah, you know, and, and how little difference there actually is in the way that you play the games or what you want to achieve when in the, because at, at the end of the day, it is true. The two different systems can achieve different things without, you know, in the realm of the game. But at the end of the day, you're beating up bad guys and getting magic for it and getting rewarded and so it's it's just silly to think that they're so different they're not yeah and and if i can encourage uh osr gms to to do anything i know 
we all kind of love our uh, our retro clones and stuff like that. And I love running DCC for people. I love introducing people to RPGs through like Dungeon Crawl Classics. That's mm-hmm. my favorite thing to start people with because the rules are pretty short and relatively simple. And there's not a whole lot of like massive amounts of choices like there is in 5e, especially now. Mm-hmm. But old school GMs who like really know how to run old school style. If you can adapt that to 5e for like a specific game just to show some younger players like here's how we used to run things and here's how you still can run things and it makes for a, a great time if you try it. I think that would bring a lot of people over. If we can soften our approach, acknowledge that yeah, there's good points about your game. I like this one a little bit better. Like that Chevy commercial. That one's nice, but I like this one. If we can take that approach, I think we'll be a lot better ambassadors to our side. And ultimately, because I think the OSR side of the pond has better stories and better opportunities for adventure within you know the games that we run, I think if we're kinder... And if we, you know, extend a hand and say, hey, guys, come on over here, try this out, we're going to get a lot more people. So I think we need to be uncompromising but kind. And that's, hopefully that's something that I can do in my approach because I've been adversarial as well. But, you know. That was great. That was great. That that honestly, that summed it up perfect. That was a good way to put it. That was a good. That's a good way to put it. I, I, yeah. I mean, I do see it a lot. I do see a lot. A lot of people ask me, "Oh, why aren't there young people in the OSR?" And I'm like, "Well, that's because you're kind of mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you ever thought of that? Like, that sometimes you just, air, like, you just complain too much about the youngsters doing their thing. Like, were you not that one, that youngster one day? Come on. Like, mm-hmm. we've all been there. Even my cousins now, like, they don't play the same video games I did. I'm not like, oh, like." Rocket League is trash, or Fortnite is trash, or Roblox is trash. I'm just like, oh, that's cool. Like, I played this. These, this is like, I guess, retro now. Like, it's just a different generation. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's different. Nothing wrong with being different. Yeah, I play that retro game, Star Wars Battlefront 2. <laughs> that game was so damn good, dude. <laughs> I mean, me and my friend would sit in his, like, bonus room at his house and play that game for hours. Just ad non-ending. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. I even have it. I have a download on my PC, right? I always I, keep it keep it around just in case. <laughs> I've got it on my desktop. I put mods on it this weekend, and I fired it up. Oh, nice, nice. There's some great mods. <laughs> why hit you, young whippersnappers? <laughs> See, that's the thing. This is why people don't know what to do with me and you because I grew up in old school, and now I'm in both communities. They don't know what to do with me, right? What are you gonna tell me? No, as if like Tim Cask and Frank Menser weren't my best friends when I was 13. <laughs> you know, like. You're gonna tell me no? I fuck I Mike Merles buys our our he it very much in the past bought our, a lot of our miniatures and I became you know comfortable with him as well. Mm-hmm. I've been very comfortable with Matt Mercer over the years. Every time we've hung out, he's just fantastic. Same with Manganello. So people don't know what to do with me. Right. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, and I I I have levied some harsh criticism at Matt Mercer in the past. Not so much at Matt Mercer, but at Critical Role just as an institution. Mm-hmm. But I don't doubt for a second that he's a like 
he's in it for the love of the game because he doesn't have to be here. He could voice 50 more characters and he's pretty legit but yeah he's he's pretty legit yeah he's no victor i know you're joking i just like to point that out that people just don't know what to do with me it's (laughs) it's uh, it's hilarious um but uh yeah i i he's legit dude he for anyone who's like mercer hating he came to our booth one year or well he was walking around um gary con con gary con sorry (laughs) i don't remember which one it was and uh him and i just started talking and my friends watched the show so you know, we were all talking to him. And as we're talking to him, a line started to form behind him, like for people to get <laughs> autographs. So I noticed it and I was like, hey, if you want to sign these autographs, you can if you want to move out of the hallway, you can step into our booth because we had like an open concept where there was a shopping area. Yep. So Matt came into our booth for like an hour and just signed autographs for an hour. Didn't care. And I was talking to his assistant who also worked at Disney in her past. So we were talking about that. Yep. Um, I was like, I don't feel like I like, I don't want to feel like I trapped him or like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't want to feel like <laughs> if he doesn't want to do this. And she's like, no, he just does this all the time. And I'm like, well, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's not hiding in his hotel room. He's like out right. with the people. He's just, <laughs> he's just, you know, like Gary guy, you know, like not to compare him to Gary, but that's how the, the TSR people were at Gen Con back in the day. Yep. You know, they couldn't walk around. Yeah. And so anyway, yeah. My two cents on Matt Mercer. Good dude. Victor, I think Victor sums it up pretty well. I don't have, I've never watched a single episode of Critical Role. Everything I've heard about Matt Mercer has been exactly what you said. And, you know, the the rest of the Critical Role cast, I, I haven't heard a bad thing about any of them. Um, my problem is with the Critical Role fans <laughs> because it's, I, it's the same thing as like when My Little Pony was huge. It's it's the same thing with those fans. It's the same thing with Rick and Morty fans. Um, same thing with certain anime fan bases. Yeah, it's uh, it's just like turn it down two notches. They they can radicalize for sure. Yeah, yeah, they can they can for sure radicalize. And I've been lucky to have nothing but good interactions, but I have heard you know bad. Of, of bad interactions um but i think that's just uh that's just when you have a yeah. audience of that scale that's just yeah it's way around and, and there's a there's a particular problem with our generation where liking something gets like absorbed into this is my personality that i like this thing yeah yeah and my i friends and i talk about this all the time it's so annoying yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna lie and like you you it's mentioned terrible. you mentioned working for disney there, there's a lot of people who do that with Disney. They're, oh, yeah. The, the oh, Disney yeah. adults. I was one. I'm reformed. <laughs> I've recovered. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm still one. <laughs> I'm lying. <laughs> but yeah, no, they, they definitely exist, too. They mm-hmm. exist, too. Yeah, we were just at a League of Legends, if anyone knows that video game. Yeah. We were in an online tournament. Or not, we were at the uh, in-person tournament for the professional North American uh, Summer Championship. And the same thing. There was just a lot of like weird league people there, <laughs> and we're like, "Whoa, you are a basement dweller. You yeah. just play this game all day. <laughs> Great." But yeah, I, I do think, and and again, that kind of you know leads back into the OSR because as much as it's a, a problem for our generation, that's also kind of it's a problem for fandoms as a whole. It's kind of one of the the uh, bad parts of being a geek. That, you know, there are a lot of people who have internalized 
their love of a particular game or movie or show and if you attack that thing or if you don't like that thing it's like you don't like me or you're attacking me and i more than anything i want to see that mindset die yeah it would be nice it would be nice i mean god rings of power is not that bad people put the pitchforks down it's not that bad i don't want to watch you all just want a bitch (laughs) i my my stance on rings of power is no where else do you go without the silmarillion say what where else do you go what else do you do without the silmarillion I just, you know, I they made three really good Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, all the Tolkien books are still there. Uh, the the animated movie is fun every now and then. And do you think the Hobbit is better than this? The Hobbit movies Why again. I haven't seen Rings of Power, so I can't. I have no frame. Oh, of so reference. you're not even. Oh no, it's awful, Victor. Oh no, it's not great. It's not good by any means. I'm not saying it's good, but let's all just calm the hell down. There's still great parts of that show, you know. They're still awesome with that show, for sure. There's a lot of really cool new characters. Gladriel is different. The understatement of a century, but she's getting there. You can see it in her eyes. She's getting there. I, I there's, do... just, there's just a lot of progression going on, and, and it's just it's not Tolkien, so everyone's going to complain no matter mm-hmm. what. This is like the Harry Potter community. They're just going to complain no matter what. And I can say that because I'm a loud member of the community. So, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we don't have time for that because I'll, I'll run circles around some people on, on Tolkien, but I'll also get cir- my circle ran a few times as well. So let's ignore that. It's one of those things, and I agree with Victor. There's nothing wrong with saying you don't like a show or saying that a show is awful. Um, it... I don't need to see a hundred Facebook posts about it. Right, I'll be yeah. the one to say it. I'll be the one to say it. I don't need to see the negativity all day, every day. There you go. Yeah, my dad doesn't. My dad doesn't like Rings of Power. We've mm-hmm. we've gone. We've butt heads on this a bunch, <laughs> and I've proved him wrong a bunch on a bunch of different things, and he still doesn't like it. Yeah. Oh, and shot. If I'm gonna take a shot at someone, I'm gonna take a shot at my dad. <laughs> he can take it. <laughs> but my uh, my whole stance on this is, if something doesn't look good to me, I'm not gonna consume it anymore. Because I know that, you know, if I if it looks like I'm not going to like something and I go in and I don't like it, I'm just going to be upset. You're so, just judging books by the cover. That's kind of what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, if the cover sucks, then don't be surprised if people don't pick up your book is all I'm you saying. You know whose covers don't suck is Paysetter Games. Paysetter Games covers do not suck. You can all of their suck. books at paysettergames.com and get plenty of 5th edition books you can get plenty of osr books we got 1e we got bx we got swords and wizardry there's plenty on there whatever flavor you want paysettergames.com but best covers in the game and ryan approves them absolutely so how how, how where, where else can we go from here but just to go? just to end that to, to put a pin in the uh judging books by its cover thing you all know that i love robert e howard i love conan the barbarian I think the stories are amazing, not just because I'm related to the man. I love Conan. <laughs> yeah. But you can't tell me that the same amount of people would have bought and read those Conan the Barbarian books if instead of the Frank Frazetta covers, they had a five-year-old's uh, really poor picture of a dog on them and Conan the Barbarian written in marker. 
So there is an element that the cover needs to reach out to people. And if oh, the designers are full of shit, if they ever <laughs> tell you the cover doesn't matter, that is the yeah. one thing that project managers stress over the most is, is the quality of the cover promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will let industry secrets fly. I don't care. No one owns me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, so when people say you're judging a book by its cover, that's an element that needs to be judged. But at the same time, I, I do understand what you're saying, that, you know, you, you need to try things and and not get so freaked out about, you know, whether or not a show is good or not. But as well, for the me, one thing I've... Go ahead, sorry. I just As for me and Rings of Power, I'm good. No one's patient anymore. No one's patient. I've, I've seen this in every single TV series that's come out recently. Mm-hmm. A lot of these criticisms are fair, in my opinion. A lot of them are really fair. No one's patient. No one, everyone talks about how there's no character development. And there's only been, there's only been like three episodes of a show. And they're like, there's no, been no development. I'm like, because they're still developing. Like, <laughs> you don't read a book and then like three pages in, the character's like, oh, I'm not terrible anymore. I'm going to do everything the right way. That doesn't happen. So I think a lot of it is the way that these shows are released are they're, they're set up for failure because yeah. the writers write a cohesive story, not always thinking about like, you know, this is going to be broken up into 10 weeks and they're just writing a character's progression as they would normally. And then it's show episode, wait a week, show, wait a week. So you get all that whole week to just pick apart and shit on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a whole big problem of it. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, but I know an, this is a losing argument in chat, so yeah. I'm going to stray away from the Rings of Power. <laughs> there's an issue with the way that... There's an issue with modern serialized storytelling. I think we need to rediscover episodic storytelling in our series, especially if we're going to now, instead of releasing them all at once like Netflix mm-hmm. did, where you can binge a show and almost right. consume it like it's a you know 10-hour-long movie. If we're still going to you know, release things episodically, you need to be able to tell a beginning, middle, end story within one hour of television to give people a sense of closure. Even if there's an overall narrative to the series, there has to be some sense of closure by the end of each episode to give people a little bit of satisfaction and not, you know, be picking apart so much that there's so many loose ends, there's not enough development... You you have to be aware of the format in which your show is releasing and your story is being told. And yeah. I feel the same way, to loop it back to the topic at hand, I feel the same way about D&D sessions. Mm-hmm. There needs to be yeah. something resembling closure at the end of every session so that, you know, there's something to talk about and people aren't kind of, you know, left in suspense with what there can be an element of suspense, but there does need to also be an element of now we're going to play the sad man walking away music, or now uh, Dindajarn's going to get back in a starship, or whatever uh, you know kind of episodic story you want to uh, you want to play with. There is your metaphor, but I do think we need to well, rediscover that, yeah. the one and done serial that version of yeah. serialized storytelling rather than. Because narratives can be built within those still, yeah. like you mm-hmm. saw with the Mandalorian, right? Yeah. It took a little bit longer, but it wasn't just the the forefront of what was going on all the time. Like, yeah, the child was there, maybe you know, mm-hmm. Grogu was there, but like, you know, 
the Mandalorian had to go kill this this cave creature. And yeah. that was it. That was like this we can't get off this planet until we do the X or Y. Yeah. That was the entire episode and then it carried on with the 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 main story if you will afterwards. Um which is not the case in the Rings of Power. It's just a bunch of one-off random events that aren't, you know, that I I know that are cohesively put together because I've studied the lore so much, but new people have no idea what's going on. They're like or even some people who just watch the Lord of the Rings movies, they don't know what's going on. So it's it's just yeah I, I get what I get the criticism on that and all that so mm-hmm. totally. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I've already kept you a little bit over time, but oh, I felt like good. we were having good a great job. conversation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it's awesome. So I'll just turn this over to you. I know you guys have a lot of stuff to plug. Uh, there's lots of great work that Pace Center Games has done. So where can people find it? Where can people find you? Uh, you know, tell tell the people where they can uh, give you guys their money. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't have to do that. Um, uh, PaysetterGames.com is the best place uh, for that, the latter part. Uh, but Paysetter Games across everything. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we have all of them. Uh, we have a newsletter as well, which you can access through the website. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. If you like my personality, you'll find that in my books. I'm very out there and I like to just, you know, I like to say what's on my mind and that's how my characters and <laughs> NPCs and monsters do as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's go check it out. Paysettergames.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, guys, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Rollin' Bones. Next week, as a reminder, Rollin' Bones is now a Tuesday night show. So next week on through the foreseeable future, Tuesday nights, same time, 8 PM central. And we'll be kicking off our Tuesday night Rollin' Bones with a special guest, Crafty Matt Craft, and uh, as if I haven't made enough people angry recently already, our topic is in defense of 5th edition D&D. So I hope you guys will join us. I imagine it'll be a very spirited and lively discussion. Uh, Matt and I are both on the side of 5e has a lot of good points. Uh, So until then, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will see you guys next time.